Welcome to the Taproom Exclusive. I am your host, Dean Zarbaugh. Today's show is sponsored by House of Helga. Are you a brewery looking for some vibrant, stunning artwork to slap on that freshly bottled or canned beer? Contact House of Helga for all your design needs. They've worked with Masthead, Streetside, and yours truly here at the Taproom Exclusive. You can check out Kyla's entire portfolio of incredible work at houseohelga.com. Also, be sure to check out House of Helga's Facebook page and purchase a House of Helga t-shirt. The cost of school supplies are at an all-time high, and most families can't afford the extensive list of items required for the school year. A recent survey from the National Center for Education Statistics found that 94% of public school teachers pay for classroom supplies. In the greater Columbus area, Operation Backpack works to offset this by donating backpacks and school supplies to 25 schools across Franklin and Lincoln County. Profits from the House of Helga t-shirt sales will go towards Operation Backpack to help a local child in need with supplies for the upcoming school year. Do your part to help those in need by going to bit.ly slash Helga Donates and pick up your shirt today. On today's show, I chat with Brick and Barrels brewer and founder Carl Spiesman over their tasty Brewski Kolsch. But first, a taste of what's going on in the craft beer world with this week's Tasting Glass brought to you by Northeast Ohio Craft Brewery News. Some sad news to start this week as it was announced that Queen City Brewery of Cincinnati will be closing this year. They announced on their website that they will be hosting a fire sale on merchandise and anything that is not bolted or nailed down. Feel free to stop by and grab a pint and say goodbye. $5 pints till the beer is gone. I'm sure it was a tough decision, but I wish everyone at Queen City the best in their journeys. Per Rob at Northeast Ohio Craft Brewery News, the barrel room on Canal, who was devastated when floodwaters hit the Canal Fulton area, will finally get its doors opened. The floodwaters from a very wet June have receded with a much drier July, and on Friday, August 16th at 3 p.m., they'll host their grand opening. Go check out these great supporters of all things local at their new location, or stop by to their original location in North Canton, Ohio. Carrie and the crew are fantastic people who truly appreciate the craft beer industry. For more information, check out facebook.com slash the barrel room wine and beer bar. Missing Mountain Brewing Company announced on their Facebook page that they have received a 20 barrel fermenter and bright tank this week. Be on the lookout for more delicious beer on the way soon. To stay up to date on all things Missing Mountain, follow them at facebook.com slash missing mountain brewing. Planted Flag Brewing in Medina has set up its crowdfunding campaign and is taking donations through September 15th. You can choose your rewards, including hats, shirts, a chair or stool with your name on it, a brew day at the brewery, or the Planted Flag Collectible Challenge coin, which will be good for 10% off food and drink purchases at Planted Flag Brewing for one year from the date of the grand opening. The coin is non-transferable and must be presented for a discount. A new coin will be available every year to support a local charity. For more information, check out plantedflag.com crowdfunding. Zafdig has also announced their crowdfunding campaign to open a new location in the Italian Village section of Columbus. Rewards include shirts, stools, and even a brew day where you can collaborate on a new beer. Check out more information at facebook.com slash zafdigbeer. And be sure to get your tickets to Brewfest Waterfront District 6 taking place this Saturday at Black River Landing in Lorraine. General admissions tickets are only $25 and include admission, a sample glass, and 15 four-ounce samples. Log on to brewfestwd.com and get yours now. I will be at Brewfest this year broadcasting live, so stop by and say hi. 
All right, here it is. My interview with Carl Spiesman, brewer for Brick and Barrel in Cleveland, Ohio, is up next after this tune, Every Day's New by Good Weather for an Airstrike. Brick and Barrel with Carl Spiesman, brewer and founder of Brick and Barrel. How are you doing today, Carl? Good, Dean. Thanks. Uh, thank you for uh, having me out today. We're enjoying the uh, the Brewski Kolsch right now. Um, before we get into the beer, uh, talk a little bit about Brick and Barrel. How did you guys get started here and where are you located? All that jazz. Yeah, so five years old this year. Um, been in the building for six. So started in uh, 2014. And um, yeah, just was going to, came back from uh, Oregon, worked out there for a bit, uh, brewing and winemaking. Um, came back here to maybe do an urban winery, um, kind of bring that, kind of some of the excitement and some of the interest that I saw out there as far as uh, small wineries popping up in uh, Portland and uh, Seattle and things like that. So um, wanted to do that, found this space, um, and uh kind of realized that it's going to take me a while to get a couple bucks in the bank with a small urban winery so use the uh backup plan of the other experiences i've had as a you know as a brewer so did us you know opened up a small taproom brewery what was it that got you into actually like brewing or uh you know doing doing wine yeah um i was in the in the coast guard when i got out of you know after traveling around after high school and that kind of thing went into that and then when i got out um I was going to go into the Ephraim active duty into the reserves to go back in as an officer maybe um, or do something in the in the Coast Guard. But uh, I, uh, as a part-time job, um, well, actually it's a full-time, but just a job, uh, worked at a winery in, in Madison, Debonet. Okay, yeah. And uh, that was like about 2000 and I guess 2003, 2002, sometime around there. Uh, and then I just caught, you know, the interest in craft, you know, wine, beer. Um, I started drinking beer and, you know, do, you know, bugging brewers and kind of rubbing shoulders with them. And, uh, 
yeah, I just I left uh, Debonet and started working at wineries, you know, all around the country overseas. And uh, you know, when I applied for my first brewing job was with Harpoon Brewing, oh, Vermont yeah. and Boston. Um, they knew I could clean barrels and stainless, so they felt good about it. And yeah, they put me on the team and uh, worked my way up from cellarman to a shift brewer, and uh, you know, got my uh, feet wet there and just started uh, working at breweries and wineries all around the country. And then, yeah. Awesome. Came back home. What uh, what was it about, you know, you're down here on Columbus Road. Uh, what was it about this space specifically that, that drew you in? Um, well, I came back because I love Cleveland. You know, I love growing up in the suburbs, east side in Painesville, and uh, being connected to Cleveland. I love it. Um, this area specifically, you know, you drive, you know, for, for about two years, you look around, you're looking at buildings, you're trying to figure out leases and obviously I can't buy a building. So you're trying to figure out what's good, what's good for a location and bringing people in, you know, this one might not be the best foot traffic or retail oriented place, but, um, it just has that still that heart of Cleveland, old area, old industry. And you just kind of picture what it was like, you know, at the turn of the century with all the, you know, the sailing all the industry from like the ships being you know sailing in and doing <laughs> unloading making steel suffer the war movement and uh just had that when i moved in here i think mean, the roads are awful they just redid them the past years but uh, and the bridge is halfway broken down all the time but um i just had that feel had that gutty industrial awesome cleveland feel that i liked and uh and the lease was great and i have a, good, I have a pretty darn good landlord um so I can't complain. Yeah, it's, it's a great place to grow. It's a little small, so, uh, you know, growing is tough if you mm-hmm. want to move into some segments in the market. But uh, but it, I love it. it uh, it's good. It's great. Yeah. yeah, we were just talking about that a little bit off air about mm-hmm. how, you know, growing, you get you got to do you got to go naturally with what mm-hmm. you have. And as, as it comes, just take up the opportunities that, as they come. You know, you can't you can't just jump in too uh, too uh, too heavy because then, you know, you might end up. Uh, you know, cutting off your nose just to spite your face. So you know, you've got a really cool space here. What kind of uh, wh- uh, what kind of system are you using? So I got a I have a three and a half barrel direct fire, um, a three vessel brew system. It's kind of like a homebrew homebrewer's dream um, on steroids. It's pretty nice. You know, it's there's no um, bells and whistles. It's got fire. It's got kettles. Hook up hoses. Hook up a pump move stuff around <laughs> that kind of thing um but i i have uh five seven barrels i started with one seven barrel and one three and a half barrel uh fermenter and one bright tank so that was kind of you're stuck with that and mm-hmm. um since then i i sold one of my three and a halves uh, i got five seven barrels now so i double batch into seven barrels okay and the bright tanks you know the carbonating tanks or they could be used as serving tanks at other you know uh, locations other people do that other brewers but um yeah, and those are my and I have two seven barrel bright tanks, so I can move stuff around that way. So I double batch usually, depending on the beer style. Oh, nice! So it takes uh, one day brew, then another day brew, back to the back days to fill up a tank. Oh, okay, yep. That it kind of keeps it efficient, pretty efficient around here. Is yeah, that the best? I I like to do it that way because it gives almost not to get geeky, but uh, it, it creates a starter for the yeast. So if you do, if I pitch in the yeast, you know, the first day of the brew. It gets happy. It gets acclimated to the beer. Then the next day, it's just, hey, it's even more happy. It's still hungry. It yeah. wants more sugar, you know. Right. wants all the enzymatic enzymes, everything it wants and needs. So it's excited. So the next day, it's just like it's happy. Then it just, boom. So I get good attenuation. So my beers yeah. attenuate out pretty nice. So nice. I feel like if I do a one-day batch, I always kind of – I don't struggle with attenuation, but I'm always like, oh, you can see the difference. You know, you really push through on that second day. So I like I like that setup. I've done nice. it out of – all of the breweries I've worked at, the larger ones uh, – 
such as uh, Harpoon and Full Sail Brewing Company, they they double you know back to back, sometimes three days in a row brews and oh wow, really nice beers. So good yeah. attenuation and everything. So yeah, uh, so yeah, we were like I said at the beginning, we're uh, enjoying the uh, the Brewski Kolsch. Mm-hmm. Uh, how'd this beer come about? <clears throat> the I like seeing there's a lot of breweries around Cleveland now doing Kolsches. Yeah. It's a really nice, easy drinking style. There's still a lot of people like I, I at work. I get I have a Kolsch on tap right now, and people are like, "What? What is a Kolsch?" And not very familiar with the style. So, tell people a little bit about what it was about Kolsch's that brought you to trying to brew it, and specifically the the profile on this bad boy. Yeah. So, um, that beer it's a German ale. Um, you know, it's uh, fermented in a cooler condition. Um, so you, you know, and your most of your ales are kind of brewed. I mean, it's a that's a it's a wide world, but it could brew, you know, generally around you know sixty five to seventy five. And nowadays, there's so many strains that could even be brewed. Or I'm sorry, uh, fermented like in the nineties and eighties. Oh, wow. So it's crazy. This world's yeah. getting crazier and, and different every day. But um, you know, just typically traditionally, you know, around sixty five to seventy five degrees. So this the Kolsch is treated more in the German lager style um, of fermentation. Okay. Not as cold, but, you know, you can ferment around 54 to 65 degrees and get some really nice flavors, and you get a fermented product, you yeah. know. So that's that's my take. on. I started off with a Kolsch, you know, five years ago just because I couldn't really find the time to put into my tanks for lagering, mm-hmm. which bugs me because German lagers are, like, my top of the mountain, yeah. really. But um, I love them. But um, so I did the Kolsch, and then another thing is you could do the alt beer after it. You can use that same okay. strain, and you actually the the, the Kolsch strain you can the yeast strain you can really use for a lot of fun beers, you know, hoppy beers, anything. But um, I just did a Kolsch and alt start off with five years ago, um, and yeah, it's kind of stayed ever since. I mean, now that I got more tank space, I do want to get into the lager world, but it's you know made such a good uh, stance here that I just keep brewing it. Um, it's it's you know it's nice uh, straw color, clean, nice minerality, some uh, light hot profile really and just easy drinking you should be around 4.8 to 5 any given time i brew it so kolsch's weren't a style i was very familiar with before doing the show uh it's a a style i've learned to really appreciate more and more uh since doing the show and this is a really nice easy drinker just a great beer beer you know what i mean Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people i hear complaining because maybe they don't like bitter ipas or they don't like dark stouts or whatever they just want something that tastes like quote-unquote beer and this is a really good beer thanks man oh yeah then that's you know you know when you first open you you want to you have to bridge some of the craft beer has blown up but you still have to bridge some of those uh gaps where a lot of beer drinkers think of beer as just you know your uh you know large market brands you know miller coors bud and so they'll come in either with, you know, with, by themselves or with other people, and they'll expect that here. And so you always kind of feel you need something, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't want to, like, shun society because they don't drink your beer or, you know, what craft brewers are drink, or brewing right now. And I'm not saying that those larger companies aren't craft brewers. I mean, they brew right. beer, but they set, they put it into different, uh, you know, they brand it into different segments of the market now, so now you just go buy that. But um, so, yeah, it's kind of was the hopefully my beer that got entry-level beer drinkers in who kind of associate beer with just those yeah. brands so yeah i feel like you know everyone kind of understands that you know you got to have something doesn't mean you have to put bud cores miller on right but at least you have something that you brewed in-house that you can you know hopefully yeah. appreciate with somebody and that's the thing is you know if we all like the same beer there'll only be one kind of beer so yeah, exactly. you know yeah. you want to you don't want to be put down put someone down just because 
they don't like a specific style or whatever. It's mm-hmm. that's what they like. That's fine with them. You know, you gotta. Everybody has their own. Everybody has their own palate. You can only do so much and tell so many people about what it is and let them judge for themselves. But this, on a, you know, we've been having a lot of hot days lately. Taking a growler or a crawler. Do you do crawlers or just growlers? Right now, I just do growlers. Growlers of um, this, man. yeah. The growler of this on a hot day. Oh, this is nice. This is a nice, nice. just crushable, easy drinker that you can have sitting out on a porch or on your deck, just enjoying a nice warm day. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, if uh, you don't serve food here, you don't have mm-hmm. a kitchen, right? Um, but if someone were taking this home and maybe wanted to eat with it, uh, mm-hmm. what would you say would is something that goes good with this style of beer? Yeah, you don't want to overpower it, you know, like anything in the world. You know, you have a, a, a good wine, a good beer, you know, a good cocktail, whatever you drink, or even just, you know, non-alcoholic stuff you drink, you know, but you don't want to um, overpower it. So with this lighter dishes, you know, you could probably do like a light a light seafood, you know, mm, yeah. dish, um, not too buttery, you know, maybe more of like on the citrus side um, for like a main dish, but for anything in between, you know, like some nice light salad, a light cheese you know, um, nothing too in the blue vein world or anything like that, or too smoky or too stinky. Um, but yeah, so many little light things that would really complement it. Um, probably do like a pork dish, like a light oh, pork, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, when you start going to the steak and other kind of fish world or red meats or anything right. with heavy sauces, too big, it's too much. Yeah, it kind of overpowers these little, you know, four and a half to five percent light straw mm-hmm. kind of you know not one dimensional but not much going in there as far as a hop profile or right, right. any kind of fruits you know like there's no raspberry puree or anything yeah, so yeah, yeah. so to complement these it's really kind of just going light with what what they are so yeah. you can have the beer and you can have that but you know like pretzels you know like the dish i mean the bavarian pretzels you know you know, people are, are making at restaurants they go nice with that you know there's a little oh, yeah. bready dough kind of with the good grainy beer european so, food yeah, yeah exactly european beer yeah, exactly so like you could go with like your brats you know with not a heavy mustard, but even with a little mustard, it, it cuts through that little spiciness, yeah. you know, could cut through with the Kolsch. So that's what, you know, the Germans, their their dishes coincide with their beers for the most part. You know? And um, before we head out or anything, what uh, what else do you want to get out about this beer? P- make sure people know about it or uh, about Brick and Barrel in general. Yeah. So, the yeah, the Kolsch, um, yeah, it'll be rocking. It's going to be, it's a flagship. It's a staple. You know what I mean? I, I hate to use the word flagship because there's a lot of different beers people make and I make. So it's just one of those four beers I always want to keep on. Mm-hmm. Um, standard. Yeah, standard beer. So that and, you know, kind of the other couple beers I try to keep in-house all the time. Um, it's always here and uh, looking to do a little, some fun canning, you know, keep it in the coolers here for yeah. people to take home. Because I don't do... Um, crawlers right now i just do growlers and understand that you know you might not want 64 fluid ounces of beer right or even a 32 ounce you know crawler you got to crush in one night yeah so I do little six packs uh 12 ounce cans and that'll be in the house with some brewski down the road and uh yeah that's about it for that beer nice mm-hmm. uh carl thank you so much for your time tune in next week for another episode here at brick and barrel